What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? Hi there, it's Paul, and you're listening to What the Footy, the football business podcast that goes behind the scenes and gives fans, industry experts, athletes, aspiring sports professionals, and more unrivaled insight into football, business, and how the beautiful game is evolving. Here is what I have lined up for you today. To be better data informed, we want to understand, you know, what what it would take to win in league in League Two. What you know, what do our competitors look like? Is there a correlation between spend, for example, on a player budget and success? I hope you love it. Not like it, I hope you love it. So if you're locked in and listening, give the pod a follow and a five-star review and tell a friend to tell a friend. Let's go. Knew some other guys liked me, but I didn't know it was to that extent. Imagine being a kid in primary school. Now it's putting us. Powerful people, and I think they need to recognise that. But then also, they need to be represented the right way. Sport in general is nothing without fans. Uh, based on you know one single source of revenue alone, that being the TV. Let's just win this to appease the fan. Welcome to the What the Footy Podcast, Debbie. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for inviting me on. No, thank you for agreeing to do this. The first question I always ask all the guests is, what is football to you, a business or a sport and why? Paul, you, you're going to say I'm sort of sitting on the fence here, but for me, it's it's absolutely about both. You know, I think as a chief executive, you've got to run, you've got to balance running um, a business uh, with a, an elite sports team. You know, the business has got to be efficient in order for the football team to be able to be properly funded and to be able to 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 function well so for me it, it's 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 both but I sort of want to go a bit further than that as well because one of the real key drivers for me is the power of football and we all talk about it but I I really feel it in this role and you know um in in Grimsby you know, we, we very much talk about being the beating heart of the community and seeing the power of football, how that enables people to connect and make memories, have conversations, I just think is such a gift for our industry. So I think it's it's both an elite sport and it's a business, but also it's so much more than that. And the football club just wraps its arms around the community. And I I just, I just love that, and and feel the responsibility and the and the weight of that. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, you just obviously finished your second season as chief exec at Grimsby Town. Just sort of talk to me what what the sort of journey and transition has has, has sort of been like for you, because obviously you've had senior roles in charitable organisations and within local government as well. What are the key sort of learnings and lessons that you? that you transferred over and 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 how have you sort of found the role, role on a day-to-day basis? Well, you know, first of all, what an amazing couple of years we've had. Um, you know, I don't think we could have anticipated uh, promotion in the in the first year from the National League at the first time of Vaskin and then Grimsby Town, in case anyone missed it, quarter-finalists in, in this year's FA Cup, you know, for the first time in over 80 years. And then actually, we also... Um, in finishing 11th in League Two, um, had our best league finish in in uh, 15 years. So so I'm really I'm really proud of that. And and in terms of 
what I've what I've taken from those uh, couple of years, I guess, is um, you know relationships are everything. Uh, being authentic in your leadership style, I think, applies where wherever you go. Um, you know, those relationships are absolutely critical when things aren't going so well. Um, you know, for anybody that remembers our first season, it wasn't all plain sailing. We started off really well in that 21-22 season. We were hovering around either the top or near the top of the league. And then um, I remember myself and my daughter going to our game away at Wealdstone. And after that, I don't think we won a game for, for, for 10, 10 performances. And... Um, you know, off our supporters were calling for us to sack our manager, um, and and it and it kind of felt a different a different place. But the relationships that we built in the good times really helped to see us through those those challenging times, and also that we were starting to run the organisation um, like a like you would any good business. You know, we were looking at data. I remember saying to um, our data analysts, show me the show me the data for uh, Stockport, who were top of the league at the time, and then show me our data, and then show me how the data now compares to the data when we kicked off the season. And there were just such tiny margins. We weren't doing anything differently. So we held true to the values and, and relationships. And I think in any role, they are absolutely critical and we talk about winning and losing together here and um, and we also talk about being greater together and it's not just a slogan we feel it right across the the football club so I think those transferable skills you know as a chief exec you've always got to be looking at the at the long term whilst um, appreciating the short term results are really important um, and, and you do that in any in any good business so um yeah, our values are really important. Uh, the culture at the organisation is is massive for us, um, and I guess that's what that's what the first two years have definitely been about. No, that's awesome because you because linked to that, you preempted my my follow up question because I was going to really ask about what what are the sort of the processes and systems that have underpinned the success because as you sort of mentioned there, playoff winners in your first season, coming into 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 the season in league in League Two, finishing finishing mid-table with, with a very, very strong season. As you sort of mentioned as well, doing well in the FA Cup as well, beating Luton, who have just been promoted to the Premier League, beating Southampton. And, and you sort of mentioned some things there, but but what are the core sort of processes there there for you guys? Because I've listened to, to Jason, uh, who's the chairman at the football club, speak about being only two years in into your three-year plan. What's the three-year plan and, and how have you been able to, to sort of get there so quickly? I think the processes that have gone gone into the success. I mean, one one thing I would say is, I mean, I've never worked at another football club, but the relationships are really strong. So my relationship with our first team manager Paul and and the whole of the first team uh, uh, support staff is really strong. Relationships are really strong across the football club, you know, um, and that isn't we are we are really living and, and breathing that, and so. Um, so I think that's been a factor. Uh, I think our players, when they come to Grimsby, genuinely feel that we care about them, their well-being and their success. Um, I think they feel the full weight of the football club behind them. And, um, and of course, you know, success on the pitch is absolutely 99% down to our first team uh, staff. But behind the scenes, 
we've done what you would do in any other business and looked at where are the areas that we could perhaps make some improvements that would be reflected on the field. So the culture has been one of them. But we've done other things like, you know, um, look at our player nutrition uh, and employer chef. We've become much more focused on data. And that's the journey that we we're, you know, we're starting to kick on with um, a little bit more now. And we've looked at the quality of our staff. We've brought in a head of recruitment. And um, so we just we just literally looking at well-being facilities, making sure that that our players feel supported. How good is their accommodation? How how um, much a part of the football club do their partners and their families feel? You know, that stuff, I think, really matters. It absolutely matters. And hopefully that's the small areas of, of margins that, that mean when our team go out that they um, they absolutely feel feel the football club um, behind them. And um, and we talk to all of our players about the, the power of football and what they mean to this community. You know, you can live in other parts of the country and choose three or four football clubs to support. In Grimsby, it's absolutely everything. So we make sure that they they know that when they um, get out there on the on the pitch and 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 feel the the values led organisation. So we've we've done a few things behind the scene that will hopefully have have, have impacted on on the on the on the pitch. And of course, we've also made improvements to our training ground to our pitch quality uh, and just uh, staff around the club so professionalizing the organization right across the piece no that's that's super useful and just building on that sort of obviously when you came in in june obviously with with the new board there as well how much of it for you was about listening and just having that audit period to really understand what those needs and wants were before then going in and actually implementing these strategies I did a lot of listening when I came into the football club. Um, you know, Jason and Andrew bought the football club in May 2021 and they bought me in in June. And the first, um, you know, few weeks that I can remember were one-to-ones with staff. We've got a lot of staff that have worked here. Some have never worked anywhere else. You know, we've got an organisation that had seen very little change in 20, 25 years. So lots of old systems and structures and ways of doing things but staff who were absolutely passionate and committed to the football club um uh, we got obviously we we knew we'd got staff that wouldn't come on that journey because it was very different to what they'd experienced before so I did a lot of listening I sat down with all of the team every contracted member of staff and I said to them um tell me a bit about you tell me a bit about what's amazing about this football club and then tell me what you'd want me to change if I'd got a magic wand and I sat down with our first team manager and the support staff and said, what could we improve off the pitch that would really help you on it? Um, and, you, you know, you start to build those relationships and then you start to build a reputation for getting things done or explaining to people why you're not able to get things done. People then start to trust you. And before you know it, you're building a really positive, a positive, supportive culture um, and the people that aren't on that journey quickly see that it's not for them. And the people that are want to kick on and share our ambition for, you know, for, for continuous improvement. No, that's that's super useful. And and that word continuous improvement is a word that, that that I saw quite a lot when I was doing my research before this. And it's something that 
that was mentioned. Obviously, you've recently announced a partnership with 21st Group in, in regards to data and, and sort of using that. I recently read Jason Jason speak about taking emotion out of decision-making processes and, and, and making data-driven decision-making. Just, just talk to me about what continuous improvement means to, to Grimsby Town Football Club. Well, you'll never hear us as a board coming out and saying, right, we want to be championship by 2027. That's not that's not where we're at. But our fans should never read into that, that we're not ambitious, because we absolutely are. Um, and we want to improve every area of the football club. So when that promotion to League One comes, we're ready. Not League One promotion then is going, oh, what does it mean to be a a League One football club. So, um, yeah, so you've already picked up on uh, data. Um, so we want to be better data informed. We want to understand, you know, what what it would take to win in League in League Two. What, you know, what do our competitors look like? Um, you know, is there a correlation between spend, for example, on a player budget and success? Probably not as much in League Two as in, in some of the other leagues. And then we want to make sure that our infrastructure is improved, our fan experience is improved. So we're not just, I mean, without a doubt, we've talked about prioritising our first team uh, uh, in this next season and trying to get as much money as we can into, into that area of the business. But in order to do all that, the back office functions of the football club have got to improve. So... Um, our commercial revenue, for example, um, has more than doubled in the two years that, that I've been here. So it's actually gone up by 76%. But if we want to continue to kick on, we'll need more income into the football club. So it's my job to think about how do we do even better? How do we make the football club and the brand of the club uh, interesting uh, for people to want to come on board and and you know give their money to to Grimsby uh, to to support us and then in terms of infrastructure you know we've already uh, declared that we want a new training ground so we've been working behind the scenes on that for the last couple of years not being as straightforward as we we would have liked uh, I think we all, all of the board would have uh, liked to have been a bit clearer on that and where it's going to be. Um, but as in lots of areas of football, as I'm coming to learn, there's always a narrative going on behind the scenes that fans will sometimes read in, into and see a lack of progress. But I can assure I can assure our supporters it it's not. And then we've tried to just improve everywhere. You know, we've become a real living wage employer. So hopefully every member of staff at the football club, right across the club, feels valued, feels that they're getting a fair wage for, for a fair job done. Um, we've we've tried to um, become greener and you know I'm not saying that we are the most environmentally friendly football club but that continuous improvement is reflected in everything we do we're definitely greener than we were before so um, our ambition is huge absolutely absolutely huge and um, we're just trying to to improve across all areas and 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 see that reflected in first team performances if if you know listening to the data and making those improvements right across the club uh, works yeah and, and even linked to making making improvements obviously you've just hired Gareth Jennings as a strategic advisor for the football club just speak about what what his role is going to be how he's going to be working alongside yourself and the board and and driving that continuous improvement 
Yeah, well, first of all, I've got to say what a pleasure it is to work with Gareth and how privileged we are to have someone of his wealth and of knowledge and expertise, um, you know, sitting as an advisor to the board. He really has been taken in. I don't want to speak for Gareth, but I think he's been taken in by how we're doing things at Grimsby, what our ambition is, um, how we want to use data, that, you know, the the opportunity to support us with our football strategy. And it's really early in the relationship, but so far Gareth and I have a weekly catch up and um, we talk about what I'm seeing, where I think we could make improvements. Uh, I mean, without, without doubt, the football is for our first team manager and I don't interfere with that. You know, we, I, set the budget with the board. I talked to our first team manager, Paul, about that. Um, I engage regularly with Paul, but the football is his domain. But longer term, yeah, it's my job as a chief exec to make sure that that football strategy is in place right across the organisation so that when you join our academy at age nine, you've got an understanding of what it means to be a, a player for Grimsby Town um, and, and, and what a pathway might be and how we might play football and we're not there yet so um so I talked to Gareth about that and engage with him in that process and he he's a sounding board for me um and I also talked to him about areas where I see that I think we might improve and uh and that that is in the support for the first team and I use him as a sounding board to say what do you think so for example um I've been having some discussions behind the scenes and I think if we doubled up in rehabilitation, having talked to some of our staff, we might see players back quicker and we might see players back stronger and less prone to recurrent injury by improving our rehab. That doesn't sound like rocket science, but you, you just want to test your thinking sometimes. So I've spoken to Gareth about that. What do you think about this approach? Uh, and it's a, a relationship that's evolving, but um, really, really useful for us. And of course, we're looking at this data now being provided by the 21st group and Gareth's able to input into that, as well as our first team manager. Um, and at some point, we'll be talking to our academy manager about that too, and just joining up football right across the business. No, that's brilliant. And, and one thing I love so much, just, just even linking linking on there about, about the manager is, I think I saw Jason say in one of his articles that what, one of the things you have at Grimsby Town is the, the manager has no obligation to speak to you or see you after a game. And, and, I, and I just think that's, I think that's really, really quite an interesting, interesting sort of uh, thing to have. Yeah, well, um, we picked up quite early on, actually. Uh, and of course, you can imagine two years into football, I feel like we're all still very much learning. But we picked up earlier on that it was fairly traditional and it had been certainly at Grimsby that after the game, the manager would come over and uh, have a debrief with the board. And I don't think any of us feel that we're in the right frame of mind to make those decisions at that point you know it's a highly emotional game isn't it if we've you know if we've done well then we want the manager to get off home and be with his family or to celebrate that victory with with his squad and the, all the guys and the team that have worked so hard and if we've had a bad game then yeah 
I think it, it does us all good to to sit and have a, a think about that before we regroup and 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 chat about it. And I know um, there's nobody uh, in the football club uh, that takes his job more seriously than our, our current manager Paul Hurst uh, and uh, and the board. So. Um, if we're upset, Paul will be upset. You know, it means we've recruited really good people into this football club. And so it it means a lot to them. And so if if we haven't done so well, he'll be reflecting on that. It doesn't need us to ask him to reflect on that. No, that's that's super useful. And, and just circling back to the point about data, one thing I'm always fascinated to ask when I'm speaking to the chief execs on, on the podcast is where you're looking for those areas of marginal gain. You've you obviously mentioned data there because over the years we've seen a lot of strategies about perhaps potentially taking on loan players from Premier League clubs to kind of support in terms of moving up the pyramid. You've obviously mentioned and alluded to data being a key part of moving up the league. How are you sort of planning and and sort of looking looking out for next season? Because you've got obviously teams in there that, that are coming up from, from the National League, like Wrexham and Notts County, who had really strong seasons there. You've got Salford and Stockport County who are going to go again. How are you already sort of planning planning for the next phase of uh the next phase for, for next season? Well, I think it's really interesting, Paul, because the teams that you've highlighted there, really, you know, really successful. Um, teams that we're probably expecting to have a substantial budget. And for us, you know, it's it's very much about not getting carried away. Uh, we had a wonderful FA Cup run last season and our, our owners uh, are going to put as much as, of that as they can do into the into the first team playing budget. But, you you know, you know how this business works and, and you know about the salary cap management protocol. So um, so so we're improving. As we talked about, we're improving that player budget. But, but it, you know, you see, don't you, often teams who are just, you know, plough a load of cash in the January transfer window on the basis that they're going to get promotion and then they might lose out to promotion on a goal or a penalty shootout. And so what we're trying to do is is um, use the data to understand what it, what it would take to win, um, how we might set up. So it might influence, for example size of squad, it could influence playing style. Um, use that data to just try and make sure it's stimulating a conversation around our approach to League Two, whilst trying to be sensible with the finances of the football club and not getting carried away thinking, well, if we just, you know, if we just put another half a million in, then maybe that would mean promotion. And then that doesn't happen. And before you know it, the football club is 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 uh struggling financially. That's not where we want to be. So it's um it's balancing that ambition, using the data, making sure that it's it stimulates discussion, um, making sure that you know, we're listening to the expertise that we have in the room. You know, we've already talked about uh, Gareth, our first team manager and his staff are incredibly experienced, listening to what 21st Group are, have got to say about what it takes to win in League Two and then um, bringing that into our game. And uh, yeah, hoping hoping that it it works for us this season. Yeah, and, and just building on that as well, how, how difficult is it to almost... Just kind of block out that emotion, like you kind of mentioned of oh, if we just like in January, for example, if we just buy this player, maybe we, we may potentially be able to to push for the playoffs. Versus no, the data saying that we should go in this direction. How, how difficult or easy when you're in the room actually making these decisions is it? 
I guess, um, you know, we're, we're very early in terms of our journey with 21st Group. But if I, if I, you know, used the reverse example of the data that we had um, when we were on that 10 game poor run of form and what that was telling us, that was telling us to hold our nerve. You know, that was saying everything you were doing to be top of the league, you're still doing um, with the same manager, hold your nerve and there isn't that much difference. I think it is sometimes just around having the confidence in your decision-making and holding your nerve because, you know, if not, you could you could just get carried away, couldn't you? You've got to then revert back to what is good business sense because it's, it's our job to uh, make this football club successful but also look after it for the long term. And to not hold your nerve could mean that you're gambling away with the football club's future and that's not what any of us want so um so you know I, I think it is it absolutely is about holding your nerve and if you're data-led you have got something to rely on other than passion and that desire to win uh whilst accepting that of course we all want to win we all want to be promoted you know, there's, there's there's no football club wants success out there more than Grimsby. I, I'm sure every football club chief exec would say that to you, but I feel it. Um, but we don't want to get carried away with the future of the club. No, that's super useful. Did you prepare any answers for the two truths, one life? Not, no worries. You did. You did. did. Awesome. Really difficult, Paul, because I'm not a very good liar. Yeah, we've had some interesting ones over the years. So um, I'm, I'm usually really bad at even guessing them. So, um, so yeah, no, take take me away with your uh, with your answers, please, Debbie. Right. So, number one, despite only being at the football club for two years, I did meet Grimsby Town legends Paul Futcher and Gary Burkles back in the nineties and spent that time with them. Number two, I desperately want to be a contestant on Strictly. Number three, on more than one occasion, I've had to step in at the last minute, put on the costume of our mascot, Mighty Mariner, so as not to disappoint children. Ooh. So what's my lie? Oh, all right, all right. I'm going to say... The first, the first one I think is true. I think I think that's a kind of a story you'd want to tell tell at a dinner party amongst amongst friends and colleagues. So I think I think I think that one's uh, that one's true. Um, and then strictly, desperately want to be a contestant on strictly. I guess my question would be why strictly not dancing on ice, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I want to go with the second one. Second one is is true, and the mascot one. I just imagine that co that costume being uncomfortable. Um, I, I just, Have you I seen just... our mascot costume? Yeah, it's. <laughs> Charge you know us. I think. Yeah, do, do you know what? I think. I think. Um, then I'm going to go with the first and the last one. Ugh. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the first two is true and the last one is a lie, but we'll um we'll find that towards the end anyway. Okay. But yeah, just some just some sort of wider football business questions, Debbie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think just sort of kicking it off. 
talk to me about your thoughts on sort of current sort of cost control measures within League Two. Obviously, there's a 55 percent wages to turnover ratio. How does this compare with obviously with the National League and those systems there? And obviously, I guess with with that ratio in place, you have that sort of drive to obviously push commercial revenue. How, how does it work for you guys really in practice? Um, well, I think, you know, the cost controls in the EFL are in place for a reason. It's about making sure that, you know, we're not we're not um, over-egging it in terms of our, our playing budget. In the National League, we didn't have as many restrictions. I think it comes down to your your board. You know, we talked earlier about sensible, sensible decision-making. Um, spending doesn't always equal success. In terms of being in the EFL, the real challenge for us in order to kick on is that we need to bring in more commercial income. As I've said, we're already performing really, really well. But that is the the biggest challenge I see as a, you know, as a, a chief executive, we're actively looking for um, new revenue models. So we're actively looking for a new stadium sponsor. So we canvassed opinion with our with our supporters in our latest supporter engagement survey. And I should say, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that our engagement has gone from 45% of fans to uh, over 95% of fans feeling engaged at the football club. But we asked them if we could bring money in while still retaining the name Blundell Park, would you welcome a stadium sponsor? And they said they would. And so having, you know, a name for our Blundell Park Stadium and bringing money in would be would be fantastic. Um, I've talked about the fact that we're, we're ambitious to d- develop a new training ground. That doesn't come cheap. So, you know, we'd like people to get on board and start to sponsor sponsor that work that we're doing. So, I, you know, I welcome the I welcome the restrictions because but, you know, we know that there are clubs that will find a way around these restrictions as well. Um, but what I can say about Grimsby is that we're trying to do things as a board in the right way without gambling away the fortune of, of um, our football club. And also, um, yeah, just 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 behaving um, in a manner of respecting principles of good governance so that... Um, we're not trying to find loopholes to get loads of money into the club. As we progress, without a doubt, we will need to rely on new investors to come into the football club to help us real, realise that ambition. And again, that's something that we're working with 21st Group on. No, that's awesome. And just even speaking about Blundell Park, obviously the white paper was announced there you're also as well founding member of Fair Game as well. Just just sort of talk to me about what your thoughts are on independent regulator and the distribution of wealth within football and how, how those conversations are really going at the moment. Well, you know, I'd like to think that wherever Grimsby was sitting in the football pyramid, my answer would be the same because I think we need to park self-interest and think about the whole of the football pyramid. So as the chief exec, I absolutely uh, welcome an in- independent regulator because um, we haven't shown that as a football pyramid, we can regulate ourselves. I mean, of course, it was an absolute privilege to have the minister over to announce that, to recognise the part that we've played off the pitch in campaigning for better distribution. 
And we need that. You know, we need that right across the pyramid to see um, football be successful. So I am completely in favour of having that conversation. Um, and I would really hope that we start to see some progress made between the EFL discussions with Premier League representatives in the next few weeks and months because we need that fairer distribution and we and we need it now. No, for sure. And the new EFL TV deal, I spoke to uh, <laughs> Liam about this. Liam said that it's progressive but not radical. He doesn't think that we're ready for radical. Yeah, obviously the 3 p.m. blackout still remains. What's your thoughts on the uh, on the new TV deal? I think the new TV deal is progressive. I, I, you know, I've seen the hard work that the EFL team have put into that, and and it's great. It's great to see that you know we're getting more games on our screens. Uh, that's what everyone wants to see, right? Everyone wants to see more football. Um, you know, for for us, my takeaway is that um, when there are going to be more televised games, that's that's great. But we have a product called Mariners TV that we've invested really heavily in uh, in the last year. It's not just about streaming games. It's about behind the scenes footage. It's about, um, you know, interviews with ex-players. It's about the history of the club. It's about what's what's going on, exclusive interviews. And we need to make sure that that's a product that continues to be marketable so that we're still bringing an extra income into Grimsby Town um, beyond that TV deal and the revenue that will be generated. Any increases in, in revenue is to be welcomed. You know, we, we certainly need it at this end of the pyramid. Um, but my focus will also be on developing that product so that we maintain that that stream of income. Because I'm actually really proud of it. We've got a team that have worked incredibly hard here to provide exclusive content. And I stick by the decision that, you know, to create that that channel. So um, so that, that, that was my thought with the deal. We voted for it as a football club um, when the EFL asked us to vote. Um, we, you know, we will see what what comes next. But for me, more football on our on our tellies has to be a and, and better income into our football clubs has to be a, a deal to be welcomed. No, hundred percent love what you're doing, Mariners TV, because I think outside of the live game itself and watching that, I think non-live content is so big and important. I think not a lot of clubs leverage the opportunity that they have there, which is fantastic. And I was going to even ask following on that, did you film and record any of the background content? During the during the FA Cup run and during the promotion to to, to League Two, and are we going to see a documentary soon? So, uh, Grimsby Town have um, produced a documentary, and that was based on our uh, National League promotion campaign. So, I'm hoping that you'll probably by the time this podcast goes out, you'll be reading lots and lots about that. Uh, it would be fabulous if a series two of that documentary was uh, showcasing our wonderful FA Cup run. Uh, so as you can imagine, Paul, we've been working behind the scenes, anticipating that. So we have got our own footage. We have got behind the scenes footage and um, we're saving that to make a big splash. No, that'll be really good. And Netflix, Disney, if you're listening contact Debbie so you can you can get it on there as well so uh, absolutely so yeah. and I've seen it Paul and it is a it honestly it's brilliant it and I would say that we we work with a company called Shush Films uh who is behind the film Three Day Millionaire 
And Jack Spring, who directed that film, is also a, um, a massive Grimsby Town supporter. So um, we've worked with Shush Films. And uh, what I would say is the documentary made me cry, but that's not difficult. And um, it strikes a, a chord, I think, with every football fan out there. It's not just a documentary about Grimsby Town. It's about everything that's wonderful, magical, frustrating, you know, uh, nail biting in football it is it's it's a really lovely three-part documentary and um i can't wait for it to hit everyone's screens no that's that's amazing and also sorry season season one where was that uh published and obviously season we two haven't one. we haven't it's it we'll be announcing that in the next few days oh, so okay, yeah, brilliant, yeah. Um, so hopefully by the time this pod goes out we'll be talking about about season one and uh oh. uh yeah that's really exciting for the club and and what I'm really hoping is that people will see exactly what we're doing at Grimsby Town, the authenticity of it, um, the way we're running this football club professionally and want to get involved, want to you know come on board and be that stadium sponsor, that training ground sponsor, because um, we're definitely the club to connect with. You know, we care about our people. We care about our community. Um, we care about the environment, you know, everything that's running through us like a stick of rocks is 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 about really good, solid values and good governance. And so um, we're the club to get involved with. No, that's amazing. But Debbie, <laughs> yeah, please take me away with your answers that I probably got wrong again. No, you didn't. You well, I got didn't. it right. You, you nearly got it wrong. I was thinking I was going to win. Um, yeah. So I did meet Paul Paul Futcher and Gary Bertels back in the 90s when I did some volunteering at a team called Gresley Rovers because I've always loved football. Um, I do desperately want to be a contestant on Strictly Come Dancing. And I really also, at one point in my time at Grimsby Town, want to be Mighty Mariner. But so far, I haven't needed to step into that costume so you were right Paul you got it right you saw right through me oh uh, do you know what is I, I finally managed to get honestly like, I think the last couple of I don't think I did this with Liam because I've just been horrendous at them in um in recent I told you I was a bad liar yeah I've been horrendous at them in recent weeks but um <laughs> no that's amazing and the last question for the podcast that we ask all the guests is what the footy needs to change or happen within your space I, I don't want to be seen as a woman in football. I want to be seen as, uh, hopefully, people will start to recognise me as a decent chief executive, um, a professional, one that's working hard, doing her best, um, making positive change, uh, leading, inspiring others. Um, and hopefully I'll be I'll be seen as a good chief exec who works in football that happens to be a woman. I think all boardrooms need diversity. Uh, when when I when I'm at the board table with my uh, fellow board member uh, Christine Green, we don't take anything away from the men around that table. We just add uh, new experiences, different experiences, a different perspective to that mix. And um, I'd like to see that acknowledged a little bit more. And for us just to start um, embracing that diversity across the game. No, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's something that's definitely needed more of diversity of thought, diversity of thinking and diversity of people. But Debbie, thank you so much for your time and featuring on the podcast. So much insight and gems there from you. Thank you for your time.
Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you loved it. And if you did, give the pod a follow and a five-star review and tell a friend to tell a friend. See you in a fortnight for the next episode. Let's go. What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? Knew Sam Allardyce liked me, but I didn't know it was to that extent. Imagine being a kid in primary school, now it's a putting in Arsenal. Powerful people, and I think they need to recognise that, but then also they need to be represented the right way. Sport in general is nothing without fans. Uh, based on you know, one single source of revenue alone, that being the TV. So when in the league, let's just win this to appease the fans.